0: God of the earthquake and of the silence quiet in us in any voice but yours so that by the power of the Holy Spirit we might hear and in hearing we may believe and in believing we may act making way for your new creation in Christ's name amen well for the this month we for the rest of the month we will consider obstacles, five of them, five barriers to, five enemies of, five obstacles to the perspective, the attitude that gets us closer to God, closer to God's children, closer to being the people, the disciples that Jesus has called us to be. We will look at things that get in the way of gratitude. And in the scripture readings, we will look for ways to get around those obstacles. Today we consider the first two, nostalgia and worry. And the rest of the month we'll look at some other obstacles, gratitude, or obstacles to gratitude, entitlement, greed, and the fifth one being disappointment. So listen now for God's word for us today. First in the Old Testament in Exodus 17 the first seven verses. And I'm reading from the New Revised Standard Version. From the wilderness of sin, the whole congregation of the Israelites journeyed by stages as the Lord commanded. They camped at Rephidim, but there was no water for the people to drink. The people quarreled with Moses and said, "'Give us water to drink.' Moses said to them, "'Why do you quarrel with me? "'Why do you test the Lord?' But the people thirsted there for water, and the people complained against Moses and said, Why did you bring us out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? So Moses cried out to the Lord, What shall I do with this people? They are almost ready to stone me. The Lord said to Moses, Go on ahead of the people and take some of the elders of Israel with you. Take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile, and go, and I will be standing there in front of you on the rock at Horeb. Strike the rock, and water will come out of it so that the people may drink. Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. He called the place Massah, which means test, and Meribah, which means quarrel. Because the Israelites quarreled and tested the Lord, saying, is the Lord among us or not? Our next reading is from Paul's letter to the church at Philippi, Philippians four, the first verse and then a few more verses there, starting at four. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, whom I love and long for, my joy and my crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, my beloved. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again I say, rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Do not worry about anything. But in everything, my prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, Let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, beloved, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is pleasing, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, and if there is anything worthy of praise, think about those things. Keep on doing the things that you have heard and received and heard and seen in me, and the God of peace will be with you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be to God. God. O Lord, may my words be pleasing to you, and may what is heard be according to your will, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. I believe that most people agree that we are happier, we're more content, we're easier to live with, and we are more resilient in the face of life's major troubles, life's scary tribulation, and even life's little annoyances, like those gnats that get in sometimes here, things that strain our patience, when we have what is called an attitude of gratitude. Ah, but how to achieve it? Well, last week, uh, I heard one man's way. There was a young father of three sons, a man with a demanding job, who told of how he had been almost overwhelmed by the list of things he had to do. I got to do this and I got to do that, he said. And I don't know where I'll find the energy to do this other thing I got to do. I don't know when I'll find the time to do those other things I got to do. When he had what is called an aha moment, a eureka experience. One of those marvelous moments of discovery when you finally figured out something important. He changed all the I got to thoughts that were flooding his brain. He changed them to I get to thoughts. He found that little change improved his mood, his approach, his impact at home, on the job, and elsewhere. So much so that he, made, he took a sign and painted on one side, said, I got to, dot, dot, dot. And on the other side, he painted, I got to. And he put it on his desk to remind him and he said it's working so far well you and i may benefit from that kind of tangible reminder that if we can achieve an attitude of gratitude we can enjoy life more we can help others enjoy being around us more and maybe even be better disciples of jesus christ when this october sermon series we're going to look at scripture to consider these five obstacles to gratitude. Well, first, nostalgia, and second, worry. In the passage we read from the 17th chapter of Exodus, the people of Israel, they were unhappy with Moses. Well, they complained to Moses, but they were really unhappy with God. Can you blame them? They were wandering around in the desert. They were vulnerable. It's not like they had the Marines or the army around them or the Air Force protecting them much less the Navy. Their future was uncertain. They were hungry. They were thirsty. Now, hunger is hard, but, you know, you can live without food longer than you can live without water. You just got to have water. They complained. You and I, well, we would be complaining too. But wait. Remember where they came from. These people had been enslaved in Egypt. They were sorely oppressed. Things were bad and getting worse in Egypt. Their situation was that way until God had Moses force Egypt's Pharaoh to let my people go. Then Pharaoh changed his mind and he sent out his mighty army, bring them back to slavery. God made a way for them to escape through the Red Sea. God saved them, not once or twice, but twice right there in their desperate thirst though they turned on moses and complained well you know it wasn't the first time for that matter just one chapter back you can read about what they said they uh, they had said oh if only we had died by the hand of the lord in the land of egypt when we sat by the flesh pots and ate our fill of bread for you have brought us out of the wilderness to kill the whole assembly with hunger The way they put it, they made slavery in Egypt sound like it had been one big barbecue and all the rolls you could eat. (laughs) They did what seems to be human nature to do. They cherished what an edited, idealized version of the past, a version with the downside, the bad parts kind of left off. We won't talk about those, or at least minimized. And the good side, so polished up and exaggerated I'm reminded of that old funeral story where the preacher is eulogizing the departed person that he did not know, and he says such wonderful things about the dead man that the wife leans over and says to her son, son, go up there and see if that's really your daddy in that box. (laughs) (coughs) But the problem wasn't just that the people of Israel kind of put lipstick on a pig by fancying up their past their past life of oppression and slavery in Egypt. No, the problem is they lost sight of how God had provided for them over and over so that their past, the past sort of got to be an idol for them, something that they cherished more than they did God. There's a Methodist minister named Brian Erickson who's written, Nostalgia never leads you forward because The present can never match an idealized past, leaving us stuck in the quicksand of our own edited memories, perpetually ungrateful for the place we now find ourselves. So to be faithful disciples of Jesus Christ, we need to be looking forward. We need to be moving forward. We need to be walking with God into the future that God has planned for us. And what are those plans, you say? Well, in Jeremiah 29, we read, the prophet's message from God is, I know I have the plans I have in mind for you, declares the Lord, they are plans for peace, not disaster, to give you a future filled with hope. Hope. Now, if nostalgia is sort of a distorted way of looking at the past so that the past becomes a hindrance to a barrier to gratitude, what do we call an attitude toward the future that's a twin obstacle to gratitude? Worry. Worry does not just spoil our sleep. Worry distracts us from things we need to be focusing on and it robs us of our joy. Now that same Methodist, uh, Minister Erickson, has written that ridding your life of worry is not a matter of reducing stress, but of increasing trust. So, how does Paul tell us to worry less? In that fourth verse of the fourth chapter of Philippians, he wrote, Rejoice. And just in case you didn't get it the first time, again I say rejoice. Well, to appreciate his advice to rejoice, we need to remember what his situation was when he wrote it. He did not write this letter to the church in Philippi from some seminary office or pastor's study or ivory tower. He wrote them from prison. Prison, he had no idea he would ever escape alive. Well, to understand his advice to rejoice, we also need to consider what he did not say. He did not say, Rejoice, life is good, things are going great, they are so good. He didn't do that. He did not say, Rejoice, cancel the news, observer, turn off TV and radio news, don't pay attention to what's going on in the world, just be happy. No. He did not say, rejoice in your family, in your job, in the fine home you've established. You ought to be happy what you got. No. He did not say any of those things. From prison, he said, rejoice in the Lord. In the first chapter, he told us a little more about that. He said, I will continue to rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out. For my deliverance, it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not not be put to shame in any way, but that by my speaking with all boldness, Christ will be exalted. Now as always in my body, whether by life or by death, for to me, living is Christ and dying is gain. You've heard me say before, in life and in death, we belong to God. Well, nostalgia that cherishes and almost worships an idealized version of the past, that gets in the way of, it's an obstacle to gratitude. Worry that clouds our vision with fear, fear that does not trust in God, that gets in the way of gratitude as well. If we long for the past and fear the future, we're gonna find it very hard to be faithful disciples of Jesus Christ right here, right now. So let us honor the history that got us here. This is not only the 100th anniversary of this church being started, it's the 500th anniversary of the Reformation that got the Protestant church started. Let us not only honor those histories, but also let us, We'll we'll take reasonable cautions to make sure that the things we worry about don't happen to the extent we can help. But above all, let us strive for, let us cultivate a perspective that gets us closer to God, closer to God's children. Gratitude. I have to tell you, this is not something we got to do. This is something we get to do. Thanks be to God. Beloved, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, let us press on toward the goal of being disciples of Jesus Christ. Now may the grace of God the Father bless you with peace. May the love of Jesus Christ sustain you in joy. May the power of the Holy Spirit fill you with hope this day and forevermore.